on Saturday night at 9 p.m., there was a dateline with Lester Holt, um, and the, the episode was called Life Inside. Um, I'm going to encourage you to go find it. Find it online, find it streaming, and watch it. Uh, Lester went and spent, I think, three days in Angola. Um, he lived in a cell as a prisoner. He went to work with the prisoners there. Uh, they allowed him access to interview many of the prisoners who were there. Um, he saw many of the, of the things that Angola is doing to rehabilitate a lot of the men who are inside the prison there. Um, he also did an interview uh, with uh, Brother Clifford Hampton. Uh, Clifford visited us uh, for about a month with uh, Brother Felix once he was released. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility for a role for a crime that he committed when he was 16 years old. And after serving 61 years in Angola, he was granted parole. Um, he did an interview with Lester Holt. He was there for his uh, parole hearing. Um, he was baptized by uh, our prison ministry here. Uh, Brother Felix was able to baptize him while he was inside. Um, it was just an opportunity to get a glimpse of what goes on inside the prison. Um, to understand that the men who are in this place, as well as the men and women who are in many places such as this, um, are human. Many have made some very serious mistakes, um, and they understand that there is a, a price to be paid for the things that they have done, uh, but they are people. They are people who are loved and cherished by God, whom God desires, even in the state that they are in, to come to know Him, that they, their life may improve even more on the other side of this life. And as I watch that, I understand that, you know, there's probably a lot about Angola that they did not touch on, uh, but there is a lot of things going on in there, and one of the roles that we play in the part of that rehabilitation process of the men who are inside Angola and inside Cottonport is part of the work that we are doing in the prison ministry. Um, and so as you see some of those updates coming out, um, it helps just to kind of give some context uh, to the volunteers and to the, the men and women who are serving in that capacity. Uh, so I encourage you to find it. Um, it's, an, it's an hour show. Um, it's eye-opening, and it just helps bring new light and perspective uh, to some things that we have laying in front of us as opportunities to be witnesses to the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, to save souls, all souls, no matter where they live, where they dwell, or what they have done. It is that sin that separates us from God, and the gospel has the power to unite us even in that way. So, uh, find it, Dateline, um, Life Inside was the title of the episode. The, the segment that Brother Hampton was in uh, was, was called Justice for All. Um, let's go to God in prayer before we open up our story of Joseph today. Our Father and our God, we are grateful for who you are, for who you called us to be as your people, and for the opportunity that lies before us to witness uh, to the world about the saving grace of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, the sacrifice that he gave for us on the cross of Calvary that we may live, that we may live with hope, that we may live with purpose. We pray that we live according to that purpose. We pray that we seek out different ways and unique ways each day to live within your will, but also to follow where your Spirit leads. To have the courage and the boldness to do the things that are presented to us. 
but have the wisdom to hear and understand the way your Spirit speaks into our lives day in and day out. May we know your voice. We pray for these next moments as we open your word that we would be still, that we would be available, and that we would be attentive. And that we would not resist the molding and the shaping that comes from being in your word and being in the presence of your spirit. And we would continue to surrender to your spirit as we leave this place. We thank you for Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. We're going to look at uh, the story of Joseph um, and the different kinds of, of plot twists that occur in the story of Joseph. We'll be here for the next four or five weeks as, as we not only look at the different ways that God works through the life of Joseph, but kind of bring that forward to see how frequently God uses those same kinds of twists and turns to not only minister to you and I in our lives today, but to use us to minister to other people. And that's really what we see with Joseph, is Joseph is not only used to bring himself closer to God, he's not only brought closer through many of these different twists and turns of life, but actually God, through Joseph, is able to, to reach a whole nation of people, and by extension, a whole world of people. And all of it begins with some of these kinds of events in Joseph's life that can be either seen as positive or negative, depending on how you look at them. In the moment, none of them seem very positive. But as you look back over the way God used those events, something powerful transpires in the life of Joseph over and over again through these different twists. So let's set, set the stage for Joseph, just in case you're out there going, Joseph, I've heard the name, but I don't really know much about Joseph. Um, we'll go back to Abraham. Abraham um, had a grandson named Jacob. Uh, Jacob was not a particularly honest man, um, and because of the dishonesty that he lived with, he reaped the benefits of being dishonest. And a lot of people were dishonest with him along the way as well. Um, in fact, Jacob's name would be changed to Israel after Jacob wrestled with God on a trip back home to visit his brother Esau. Um, Jacob, whose name is now changed to Israel, has 12 sons and probably, or at least one daughter that we know of. And he has these 12 sons with four women. Uh, you see, he fell in love with Rachel. He wanted to marry Rachel. Uh, Laban, his father-in-law, said, certainly you can marry La Rachel. But on his arrival at the wedding night, <coughs> he discovered he had not married Rachel. He had married Leah. <coughs> and so he works for seven more years until he has finally given Rachel's hand in marriage. And, and, and Leah bears him sons. But the woman that he really loves cannot bear him sons. And so Rachel offers him her maidservant. He has a couple of sons with her. And when Leah is no longer able to have children, she also offers him her maidservant with who bears him a couple of more sons. And finally, Rachel, who has been barren all of these years, bears him a son named Joseph and will later bear another son named Benjamin. And so you can imagine, right? <clears throat> you have this house and with, uh, with Rachel, or I'm sorry, with Leah, he has Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. 
through Bilhah, who is uh, Rachel's maidservant. She, he has Dan and Naphtali. Through Zilpah, who is Leah's maidservant, he has Gad and Asher. And through Rachel, he has Joseph and Benjamin. Joseph would have two sons, would have two sons named Manasseh and Ephraim. And Jacob, who you will see how, how much he loved Joseph and how his love for Joseph skews all of the different things that transpire in the lives of these young men. Joseph has two sons named Manasseh and Ephraim, and because of Jacob's deep love for Joseph, Joseph's sons are actually ushered into uh, the inheritance of Jacob. And if any of those names begin to ring bells, they should, because these are the names of the tribes of Israel. Simeon, Judah, Benjamin, Ephraim, Dan, Manasseh, Issachar, Zebulun, Asher, Naphtali, Manasseh, Gad, and Reuben. And then you have the tribe of Levi, who is the priestly tribe. All of these are descendants of Jacob, named Israel. They would take the name of Israel as their nation. So, so this is a very prominent story of the people of Israel. And, and you can imagine, can't you, that growing up in a home with all of these different things going on had to have brought its own challenges. Right? And from the very beginning, it is that way. From Jacob's very beginning, it's that way. And Joseph is born into this household, which wasn't so uncommon, but the tension is palpable. There's something different about the way things are transpiring. And then finally, Rachel, the the wife whom Jacob really loved, has a son, and she names him Joseph. And, and, And this son becomes more precious to him than any other son that he has. You know, and a good parent, even if they have a favorite, is going to try to hide the fact that they have favorites. But Joseph doesn't try to, or Jacob doesn't try to hide the fact that Joseph is his favorite. He showers him with gifts. He makes him a a, a beautiful coat. He babies him. He gives him the best jobs. He doesn't have to go do the hard work. He is favored. And everybody knows he's favored. And Joseph loves it. Who wouldn't, right? Who wouldn't? Let's read Genesis chapter 37, uh, verses 1 through 11. Get an idea here of what Joseph's mindset is like after these things transpire. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. These are the family records of Jacob. At 17 years of age, Joseph tended the sheep with his brothers. The young man was working with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought a bad report about them to their father. Isn't that what a little brother's supposed to do? I'm telling dad. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. Maybe it meant something a little different coming from Joseph. In verse 3, now Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons because Joseph was a son born in his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. And when his brothers saw their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and they could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. And then Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen to this dream that I had. There we were, binding sheaves of grain in the field. Suddenly my sheaf stood up, and your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. 
Maybe Joseph wasn't so smart. I mean, there's some things you do. There's some things you don't do. There's some things you keep to yourself. There's some things you share. Look, if you're the youngest son, and you know your other brothers have it in for you, they're bigger, they're stronger, they're more able, maybe you don't share this dream with them just yet, but Joseph does. Are you really going to reign over us, his brother asked? Are you really going to rule us? And so they hated him even more because of his dream and what he had said. And then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Look, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun, moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. He told his father and brothers, but his father rebuked him. What kind of dream is this you have had, he said? Are your mother and brothers and I going to come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. You see, so even, you know, Jacob, you know, he sees this and he's like, well, you can't say these kinds of things, man. But he doesn't dismiss it. Right? He doesn't just pass it off as the musings of a random child. He knows that Joseph has been given to him in a special way. He knew that Rachel was barren. He knew that this was a blessing and a gift from God, the fact that Joseph is here. And so he knows there's something more in store for Joseph. And so while at the same time he says, look, you can't say things like that, he also says, but I'm going to keep this in mind because there's something different about this child. There's something different about what, about what God is doing and, and, and will do through this child. But here's the thing we have to understand. Your attitude and your actions affect people. They affect people in many ways. And oftentimes in many ways that we typically just don't really think about. We've always kind of had a running joke in the house with the kids. Who's the favorite? You know, right now, you know, Dustin's a favorite. Dustin's a favorite because... He can't do any wrong. He's a long ways away. You know, we, we don't, we, we, we've kind of forgotten about all the imperfections. That's his argument anyway. Every day it's something a little different. Every time somebody does something good, it's like, oh, see, I am the favorite. And, and it's, it's kind of just the way families work. And we have those jokes, and we can make those jokes along the way. But you don't make those jokes about my family. You don't make those comments about my family, and we know. I'll tell you, one of the, one of the proudest moments of, of my life with Dustin really had very little to do with what he accomplished in his life. It was Thanksgiving, and he was at his MOS school uh, up in Podunk, Missouri, and we're sitting at a Cracker Barrel eating Thanksgiving dinner uh, with Dustin and one of his roommates named Pham. Dylan and Jody are sitting over here, and Heather and I are sitting on the other side of the table, and Pham, his little partner, says, I bet your brother and sister hate you, don't they? He's like, huh? He goes, they can't ever do anything right anymore. You're a Marine. He goes, they'll never measure up to what you've done. And he said, oh, no. He's like, Jody, 
man, she does this and this and this, and she's awesome at that. And Dylan, you know, he does this and this and this at school, and it's awesome. I was like, oh, had a boy? It's like maybe we have done something right. See, because it's okay for him to make those jokes because they know that. We said, but don't you come in and start telling me that one of us is better than the other because we understand something. We all have talents and abilities. But that doesn't make us different. You see, see, Jacob treated Joseph like he was different. He acknowledged it and he didn't deny it. He didn't even try to treat them the same or to acknowledge the differences or the strengths or abilities in the other sons. And his actions encouraged something in Joseph that really wasn't very healthy. And it wasn't good for Joseph. It wasn't good for his relationships with his brothers. And it just began to pump up this pride and this ego until Joseph was, his chest was swollen so big it would have popped like a balloon if somebody would have hit it with a needle. Let me tell you about this dream that I had. You're going to be bowing down to me. I don't know what it means, but I can't wait to see what it means when my brothers come and lay their foreheads at my feet. You see, sometimes we do things, we act in ways, and we just simply don't realize how it affects the people that are around us. And what we read in Scripture is is this, that favoritism is not consistent with the gospel of Christ. In fact, Romans 2.11 tells us that God shows no favoritism to any people. And in James, you know, we find that we are to act in accordingly. That because God doesn't show favoritism, you don't treat people any differently. That everybody comes to Christ in the same way. Galatians chapter 3 and 28 says all are one in Christ. You see, the whole point of the gospel is to eliminate the things that our culture has divided us with. The whole point of the gospel is to take the doors of the assembly and make them as wide as possible that says anybody can come in who is willing to be clothed in Christ Jesus and to be transformed by the Spirit. And he says we should not be doing anything that narrows the width of the entry to the assembly and we should never be a people that are stacking up barriers that God has not placed. In fact, stacking up barriers that God has already torn down through the sacrifice of Christ. We need to be aware of the way our actions affect others. There is no distinction. There is no barrier. There is no superiority in Christ. The other thing we see in this is that this self-seeking interests, power-hungry egos, they have no place in God's kingdom. See, not only did Jacob's partiality and favoritism towards Joseph alienate his other children, but it also cultivated the spirit of pride and superiority in Joseph. He wasn't just the annoying little brother that had favor of mom and dad because he was cute. He was a tattler, he was the dream teller. And he was proud of what he thought his dreams probably meant. That he, as the youngest of the brothers, would reign and rule over them. And that was just not acceptable. But see, there was a sense of pride and ego about that, about about the dreams, about that, 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 that Jacob had really, through his action, 
promoted and encouraged. And Joseph, he was young, right? And I am so glad I am not judged today by the decisions that I made as a teenager. Um, Man, if I'd been in Joseph's shoes, I would have done the same thing probably. Because the brain doesn't work quite right, especially when you're being pumped up and, and, and filled with these kind of things over and over again. And Joseph just kind of responds instinctively with what he believes to be the case and the truth. But lording privilege and lording authority, that's the world's way. That is not the way of Christ. Joseph takes his position, his place of preference, and he uses it to to gain more privilege and more access, even at the expense of his brothers. And so not only is is self-seeking interest and ego, that doesn't have a place in the gospel or in the kingdom, but as Christ followers, we are to love one another. We are to walk in humility. We are to put off bitterness and we are to extend grace. You see, we, we go through this story and what we see throughout the story is everybody makes mistakes. Jacob makes mistakes. He, he, he gives Joseph something he can't handle. Joseph makes mistakes because he takes that and he allows it to fill, his, to fill himself with pride and ego. And the brothers make mistakes because they take that pride and that ego and they take that and it turns into bitterness and it turns into malice. There is no place for us as Christ followers to be bitter about people. And it doesn't matter how deeply you have been scarred by them, how deeply you have been wounded by people, bitterness has no place in the heart of one who claims to be Christian. And look, as we go through and we see the story of Joseph, we're going to see he had plenty of opportunities to be bitter. Bitter to his father, bitter to his brothers, bitter to his God about the places that he finds himself in as a faithful man of God as he grew. But he's going to have a choice to make. Will he be embittered? Or will he walk in humility and extend grace? Because those of us who have chosen to follow Christ are obligated to love one another to put away the ego, to put away the pride, and to walk in the humility that is exhibited in Christ. To extend grace to the people in whom we have contact with, and above all else, to refuse to allow bitterness to take root. So as you think about this story, this opening story of Joseph, Where do you find yourself? Do you find yourself amongst those who maybe have a tendency to show some partiality to to one or another? Do you find yourself as one of those who maybe feels like you've been a little bit slighted by somebody? 
It doesn't matter where you find yourself in the story, the requirement is the same. Walk humbly. Love one another. Extend grace. And refuse to allow bitterness to take root in your life. Bitterness is something, it's one of those things that I wrestle with greatly. And, and, and for me, it doesn't really happen. It's, I'm, I'm not an easy person to hurt. Um, but sometimes I get offended pretty easy. I, I probably sometimes get offended way too easy. Thankfully not. Look, being a Texas Longhorn fan growing up in Norman or near Norman, Oklahoma, I, I learned very quickly that sports things were not going to be able to offend me, right? So you can make fun of my sports teams all you want. Except, Richard, I'm not listening to you Yankees, okay? I love picking on you about the Yankees. Have you figured that out yet? I'm just a little jealous, okay? I'm just a little jealous. Now, you know, but there's some other things that hit me in ways, and they shouldn't hit me that way, and I know that, and I fight against it. But what happens is I get a little bit offended at what someone might say. And instead of saying, you know what, they're good-hearted, Christ-loving people. I know they meant well. My heart and my brain wants to say, I don't care how they meant it. I know what they said. And I take offense to that. And I allow that fence, that offense to take a little root in my heart. And it becomes really easy the next time that person walks by to say, there's that one that offended me. There they go. And that thorn gets a little deeper. And a little deeper. And a little deeper. And it doesn't have to get very deep before that offense turns into bitterness. And Jesus says, there's no place for bitterness in the heart of my people. You are a people of grace. You are a people of love. You are a people of mercy, just like I am a Savior of grace, of mercy, and of love. And you are to live in the same way. You don't build up barriers that I've already knocked down. In the gospel, there is peace, there is harmony. There is unity, and there is salvation. And because of what we have received through the gospel, there is a different expectation of life for the people who claim to live according to the gospel. And just like Joseph, he says, Joseph, look, you got a lot to learn, man. And Joseph went through a hard time. I don't want to have to go through what Joseph went to to learn the lessons that God is trying to teach me, okay? I don't want to be sold into slavery. I don't want to be imprisoned for, for decades and forgotten. I don't want to have to go through those things. So, you know, I'm living this life saying, God, teach me and teach me in a little easier way, okay? Can you make my mind a little more receptive to what you're trying to tell me? And he says, what I'm trying to tell you is real simple. Love the Lord your God with all you have and love one another. Don't harbor anger, don't harbor resentment, don't harbor bitterness in your heart, but be people of grace and mercy and walk in humility. And those are the things we learn from the very, very beginning of the story of Joseph with much more to come.